Uh, increasingly in my ministry, I'm discovering that I go somewhere and then I'm asked to do a talk that I haven't had any time to prepare for. So I sort of know where I'm going to start and we're going to have to rely on the Holy Spirit uh, to see where we end up. Uh, and I've been asked to talk about a subject which means a lot to me because uh, as a Christian man and father and husband, it's something that I have to struggle with just as much as each one of you. And the question I've been asked to speak about is, what does it mean to live a double life? And how do I know if I am living a double life? And so what I'm speaking about today is something that I experience as well. Uh, when you're made a priest, it doesn't mean that you suddenly discover you have no problems in your Christian life. Uh, and if I had my wife here, uh, she'd be able to do a presentation on just how rubbish I am at almost everything I do. So. Uh, I'm going to be very honest in how I speak, and I'll use some examples from my own life uh, about how I think I'm living a double life, um, and perhaps we'll have a some time for interaction, and I'll be asking you uh, to give examples of what you think that might be in your lives. I'm very grateful for this opportunity to be with you all, of course, and this is my first time in America. Um, I spent all of last February in Canada. Uh, this isn't quite what I expected America to be. From the films and television programs I've watched, I sort of expected it to be a beach and then a ghetto, and that I would be likely to be kidnapped and tortured to death. <laughs> that was pretty much what's kept me away from America much, much of the time until now. Have you been to LA, Father? Uh, no, I only, only Claremont. Uh, I am, I'm very pleased to have been asked to speak about the idea of living a double life because, like most people, this is an issue I struggle with. And I think for my own spiritual and personal well-being and health, uh, it's good for me as much as for you to consider seriously and honestly over and over again uh, how we're living our life uh, and how we're engaged in our service. We might not like to think so, but one aspect of living a double life is that it makes us hypocrites. That's perhaps not a word that we want to apply to ourselves, but the Greek word hypocrite actually means an actor. And when we're living a double life, that's really to a great extent what we're do, doing. We're acting and putting on a mask in front of other people. Uh, sometimes we don't only have a double life, we, we have multiple lives. And in all of the different places where we're meeting with people, we put on a different mask and appear to be a different person. Uh, and even for a priest, it's quite possible for me to be one thing in front of you all, another thing in front of bishops, uh, and then entirely different uh, in my family and home life. And I don't think that means that we are being bad people necessarily. In my time as a priest, and I've been a priest nearly eight years, uh, I've realized that when I see young people struggling with things, the last thing they need uh, is a priest beating up on them and telling them how terrible they are. Uh, they need a priest to help explain to them how they need to find a way out of where they are. And so I'm, I'm very sympathetic to the fact that being a young person in the 21st century is probably a lot more complicated than it was for me. Uh, when I was a young man, we didn't have really computers at all. There were no mobile phones. You lived your life in front of people and that was it. Uh, maybe you'd write letters, but uh, people weren't immersed in global media and contact and distractions in the way we are now. So I sympathize entirely with how complex young people's lives are. And I have four children myself, 
and I have had to help them go through uh, their own problems, just as you have them. Let me say for a moment why I think that it matters uh, that we consider this idea of living double lives, wearing masks, not being the real person that we are. Uh, first of all, I believe very much, and it's the central aspect of all of my ministry and service, that God created each one of us for union with him. And that the whole purpose of the Christian life isn't to try and please an angry God who wants to send us to hell. Uh, it's not to earn enough points to outweigh our demerits so that we can get to heaven. And it's certainly not doing enough religious things so that God will give us what we want. The whole purpose of both the Christian life and human life is to enter into a living personal union with the God who made us. Uh, and not just the God who made mankind, but the God who made each one of us sitting in this room as an entirely unique person. Uh, a person who can't be replaced by anyone else. A person that God wants to enter into your union with for a unique purpose. And this union takes place within our heart. It takes place within that deep, deep centre within us where the real us lives. And that's why this idea of living our lives wearing masks is problematic. Because when we're wearing masks, we're not able to relate to God and to others and even to ourselves with honesty. We're not able to relate to God as the real person that we are. And yet this union with God can only take place on the basis of reality and honesty. And we find that when we relate to other people who are wearing masks, uh, it's impossible to enter into a deep relationship with them if they're always pretending to be someone else. So the only way we can enter into a life-giving union with God, which is what he wants for us, is by being the real person that we are. And that means having a certain honesty about uh, the sins that we commit. It means having a certain honesty about perhaps how weak, how weak our spiritual life is. But it also requires a certain honesty about the good things that God has created in our lives. The abilities he's given us. Uh, the love that we find poured out to our own friends and family through us. As we're growing in the spiritual life, we become more aware of our weakness, but we become more aware of what God is actually doing in us. And we discover as we grow in the Christian life that we don't need to wear a mask. We don't need to pretend to be someone else to God, and we don't need to pretend to be someone else to other people. Because the only way we can enter into union with others and with God is to try and become that true person we are, that one person that we are. And this true person is discovered, I'll speak a little bit about this, although <coughs> others will cover it later. This true person is discovered only as we experience the life of communion with God and share in the life of the indwelling Holy Spirit through prayer and the grace of the sacraments and making effort in the spiritual way and in giving ourselves in self-sacrificing service. But especially we come to be united with God and discover the person we really are through trying to experience unceasing prayer. And so it's a process. And at the beginning, the person we truly are may be difficult for us to find within ourselves. But it is that person that responds to God in prayer when we stand truly and honestly before him. 
This is why St. Anthony says that knowing yourself is knowing God. Because it's only the real you inside of yourself that can enter into union with God. You can't enter into union with God as one of the multiple people you're pretending to be. And it's the same for me as a priest. Uh, when I come among members of our church, everyone is very polite to me. Everyone wants to come up and take my blessing. Uh, and fathers tell me how wonderful I am and they're so happy I've come to pray with them. Uh, and it would be very easy for me to imagine that what others say about me is the person I really am. I'm a wonderful, prayerful theologian. Uh, I'm highly respected and valued by everyone. Uh, when I went to pray for the first time with Bishop Misael, who is a wonderful saintly bishop in England, and I serve in his diocese mostly, uh, he doesn't speak very much English, and in Arabic he was speaking about me, and someone translated. Uh, and he said how long he had waited to see me and to have me in his presence, and he had heard so much about how holy and learned I was. And now that he had seen my face, he saw how truly I was even more holy and more spiritual. You know? Uh, and these were wonderful words, you know, and they made me feel very good. And then when I got home, my wife was immediately waiting with a list of complaints about things I hadn't done. And I said to her, do you realize how holy and spiritual I am? <laughs> yes, she did. And uh, she grounded me immediately. I don't mean she, no, I don't mean she grounded me. I mean she, she rooted me in reality. Um, and brought me back down to earth and made me see that actually perhaps I wasn't such a wonderful person uh, as others thought. When we're knowing ourselves, it doesn't mean that we're just talking to ourselves. But it means that we're looking within our heart and we're able to discern, uh, not very clearly at the beginning, and with a greater degree of clarity as we grow in the spiritual life, we start to see that we are a person with a certain psychological sickness. We're a person that actually needs healing from God. Um, maybe we feel when we look inside our heart, we see how much we depend on other people. Perhaps we see that actually we're a bit clingy, and as soon as someone starts showing any friendship towards us, uh, we sort of grab hold tight of them. Uh, perhaps we see that uh, much of who we think we are is bound up in the things we own. Uh, maybe our wardrobe is filled with uh, the latest designer clothes. Maybe we have to have a particular pair of trainers on. Um, maybe we have to have a better car than all of our friends at church. Uh, maybe we feel proud because our girlfriend or boyfriend is more attractive than our friend's girlfriend or boyfriend. Uh, maybe because we're doing well at school or college. That makes us feel that we must be someone who's um, of value and worth in the world. When we look inside our heart, if we can see that actually we're depending on these worldly things to give us worth, then we've already begun the journey of discovering just perhaps how far we are away from God. What it means is that we're looking for these other things around us uh, to fill that hole within our heart that is designed to be filled only with God. The true person that we are isn't satisfied and isn't found in the things we own. The true person we are isn't satisfied or found uh, in the friendships we have or in what other people think of us. The true person that we are isn't found and we're not satisfied eventually by all the things that we own and by the prestige we have, perhaps because of our job. 
Uh, what is it to live a double life? It is to present a mask to different people at different times and even to believe that these masks represent ourselves. But often our family really know us best. Certainly in my own case, it's among my family that the real person I am comes out. Uh, when I'm serving at the altar, it's very easy for me to be a certain person. Um, I can be looking around the altar to see if there's jobs that they can need doing. I'm responding to the other priest, waiting to see when he wants me to come forward and pray. Uh, I'm aware if we need the incense, and, and I, I nudge a deacon. You know, I'm very active in looking and seeing what needs doing. But when I'm at home, uh, in my home situation, the same sort of responsibility would require me to be active in the kitchen, uh, to be pushing the vacuum cleaner around, to be making sure the beds are made. And I'm a lot less willing to be engaged in that sort of service. I remember one time that struck me very much. I was translating a homily of St. Severus, uh, the, the very famous patriarch of Antioch. I was translating it from French into English, and it was a good thing to be doing. And my wife called out from the kitchen and said, Peter, or Pete, uh, come through and help empty the dishwasher, can you? And I remember shouting through to her, do you realize how important what I'm doing is? You know? And as soon as I said those words, I realized that what I was doing was of no importance whatsoever because it was just part of the mask I was wearing, this academic, serious, scholarly Christian. Uh, but the place for me to become the true person I am and on that occasion was to be in the kitchen emptying the dishwasher. Uh, another time, uh, my wife, she works, uh, and she works very hard during the day. And every time she comes home, she's tired. And if there's anything in our sink, uh, she would get very cross with me. And we'd have a row every evening because she would come home and she'd say, why are there dishes in the sink? And I would say, do you realize how hard I've been working today? I've been responding to emails. I've been writing teaching materials. Uh, eventually, I realized that my wife was tired and when she was coming home, she was sort of saying, I wish I was at home and able to look after the house myself. And I realized that the proper thing for me to be doing when I examined myself, the thing that helped me grow closer to God and to her, was to always make sure there was nothing in the sink when she came home. Whether I'd been busy or not, all I had to do was that one little thing, and it made her life better, and it brought me into a better position of relationship with her and with God. So even in my own life, holy and wonderful and spiritual, as Bishop Misael said I was, when I'm in a situation where I'm really exposed to someone who knows me well, uh, often what I'm really like comes out. Uh, and clearly the person I am uh, is quite lazy, is quite self-centered. And that's what I mean about knowing yourself helps you know God. Because if I only listen to the words of people who, when I visit them, tell me how wonderful I am, then I don't really need to do much more work towards my spiritual life. I'm already a holy person. I'm almost a saint, you know. When I listen to those people who tell me what I'm really like, if I am honest and I accept their words as the truth, then I start to live a single life and not a double life. Uh, what are the masks that we wear? I think, first of all, we can see that we're wearing masks if we operate by different principles in different places. If when we're in church we act in a certain way and we adopt certain attitudes, 
that may we one mark. If we're out with our friends and our behaviours are totally different, are talking and joking about uh, inappropriate and dirty things, that suggests that we're operating a double life. Uh, if when we're in the church, we act as though the service of the church is what's really important. Perhaps we serve in the altar. Um, perhaps we're very keen on learning hymns. And in the church, we like to present ourselves as hymn geeks, you know, or, uh, or part of the spirituality group. Uh, if that's one mask we're wearing, but when we're actually out with friends from college, uh, we use just as bad language as them, we joke about just as inappropriate things as them, then <coughs> clearly we can see that we're living a double life. Uh, and again, we need to be honest with ourselves, and looking within our heart, we need to see that we are living in two different ways, and we have to ask ourselves which one really represents us. Perhaps neither of them really represents us. And often it seems to me that when we're living double and multiple lives, we're seeking different things. Uh, many of us, all of us to one level, are seeking attention and friendship from other people. Uh, all of us, to what some extent or another, are seeking possessions and wealth. Uh, that gives us a sense of security. Uh, all of us, to some extent, are seeking fame and prestige, even within the small groups that we're in. Uh, and, and some of us will be seeking some spiritual benefit in our life. But I'd like to suggest that when we're having goals at this level, we're not going to achieve that unity of being that God wants for us. If the most important thing for us, really, honestly, when we look at our heart, uh, is having a lot of money, then that's not a big enough goal for a human being. And we'll end up uh, wearing masks as we're dealing with different people, because the goal that we have is an earthly one. If we want friendship all the time, if, we're, if we feel lonely and we just want people to love us, then again, that's too small an ambition to have as a human being made in the image of God for union with God. And we'll discover that all of our life we're wearing different masks to try and please people. And that's, that's a temptation that priests can have as well. You know, It would be very easy uh, if I was your priest to want to be everyone's best friend, to never want to say no to anyone. Um, a priest, if he is to be properly ministering to those in his care, must have a different ambition in his life than just being the friend of everyone and receiving the attention and affection of everyone. I think these are earthly ambitions and they're too small for us. And because they don't satisfy our true humanity, we have to end up living a lie to try and fulfil them. And all of these masks that we wear, they conceal the heart within us. So if you are very popular and all of your time is spent uh, in earthly friendships uh, and seeking to nurture and experience the attention uh, and the interest of others, it will be very hard for you to find the real person you are inside of yourself. If all of your energy is driven towards perhaps getting a big house and a big car, making sure that you always have enough money to survive on, then it will also be very hard for you to discover the real person you are inside because all of your attention will be focused on earthly things and it's only in our, rec our relationship with God that we become the true person that we are. <clears throat> so it's harmful for us to act in such a way. I don't think I want to say it's sinful, you know, um, but it's harmful for us because each of us can only become authentically human in a relationship with God in the heart. If our ambition and goal is not big enough, 
I also think it leads to a fragmentation of who we are. And we start dealing with different people in a different way, and we no longer really know who we are at all. So it seems to me that what is required of us is to rise above such uh, basic human ambitions and desires and goals and find a transcendent goal, a transcendent ambition that is beyond this world and which will help us to enter into union with God and become the person that you truly are. If I want to be successful, that will not lead me to becoming the person I've been created to be. As a human person created by God to live in union with him, I can only truly express my authentic humanity and become that identity he uniquely created me to be when I have such a transcendent purpose and goal and ambition in my life. And with God, I place him above all things in my life and seeking to know God and enter into union with him by unceasing prayer, I discover that lots of these other desires that I have are both satisfied and do not overwhelm me. Let me tell something else about myself. Um, like everyone else, I can, I, I can find myself feeling lonely, or especially I did in the past. Uh, and uh, when I was a young man, I would be the sort of person at a party that was standing with the other very lonely young men in the kitchen. Um, and as I grew up, I was shy. Uh, I didn't easily mix. Uh, and I would be in a room and I would feel very lonely. Not just alone, but lonely. Uh, as I have developed my prayer life, and as I have, thank God, experienced some sense of union with him, I no longer ever feel lonely. There are times when I'm alone, and there are times when I seek aloneness. But I never feel lonely anymore. Uh, and I will be honest, if all of you were chatting and talking to each other, uh, I would feel satisfied just sitting here, uh, enjoying the fact that you were enjoying each other's company. I am no longer driven by loneliness to seek the company and the attention of others. And the reason that I have, uh, thank God, experienced a little bit of that is that through seeking union with God by unceasing prayer, I have discovered that uh, wonderful experience that God is actually always with me, wherever I am. And so there's no need for me to feel lonely because all I have to do is turn my heart towards God and discover that he is with me. And since I can never be lonely anymore, and since I'm never really alone anymore because God is with me, it means that I can enter a place and instead of needing the friendship of people, I can receive it as a gift from that person. Uh, in the same way, now that I have some small confidence in God and have learned to trust him through praying uh, as unceasingly as possible, I no longer worry quite so much about the material needs of my family. And so I'm not spending all of my time thinking, how will I pay the bills next month? Uh, instead, I'm confident in God. I have a sense of his presence with me and his care for me. And I'm able to be a little bit freer towards the needs that my family have. Uh, and even in terms of my service, uh, there was a time in my life where, of course, I really wanted to be of service to God and the church. But I felt I had to push myself forward. I had many plans of how I could develop a national ministry and things like that. But now that I'm confident that God will use me in the way he wants, now that I trust God because I feel I'm in a union with him, I'm quite happy to wake up each morning 
and see what opportunities for service God gives me. Uh, one of the things that always annoys me a little is whenever I go and visit a church, uh, in their kindness, I'm always made to be the first priest, you know, and I'd be very happy just being the second or the third priest, you know. Uh, I don't anymore want to be pushed forward. Uh, and in my experience, this is because I have grown a little bit closer to God than I was in the past. And I've discovered that in my relationship with God, I can just be the person I actually am. And I don't have to pretend to be someone else. And I can find God as the satisfaction of all my needs. I don't need to go chasing to have my needs satisfied by other people and other things. So if I was to choose some other goal other than just seeking God, then I would have to invest all of my time and energy in that goal. And I discover that I had to wear a mask all of the time. It's only when I stand before God in prayer that I can just be the person God made me to be. He knows how bad I am. He knows how sinful I am. He knows how I try to be spiritual and make a mess of it. Uh, God is the one person that truly I can be utterly honest with. And when I'm honest with God and I stand before him in prayer, somehow, in a way I don't understand, I find myself becoming more and more alive, more and more authentically human, uh, more and more comfortable in just being the person I am. Uh, so those are just a few thoughts. Uh, I'll add what St. Augustine said, that the heart is restless until it finds its rest in you. And I think that's a lot of what it is to be living a double life. We're always looking for something that will fill us and satisfy us as humans. But the only possible way of being satisfied and filled is by entering into a closer union with God. And so my prayer for each of you and my service in all places is always seeking to encourage each one of us as Orthodox Christians to pray more thoroughly, to seek to pray unceasingly, to use the Jesus prayer, to appreciate the gift of God himself in the sacraments, to turn often to the spiritual advice of our priests in confession, and to discover the true person we are in putting our Orthodox spirituality into practice. May that be so for each one of you, to the glory of God and our salvation. Amen. Does anyone have any comments or questions that will help us think about that? Why do you think that we often fall into living double lives or triple lives? Why do we do that? Yes? I think that sometimes when you're not as sure of who you are as a person, you can be influenced by your environment. Yes. So if you're in that, like a collegiate academic environment, you can be more academic. If you're in a yeah. church group environment, you'd be more spiritual. Yeah. So when you're not strong in yourself, sometimes just those around you can influence your yes. activities. Yes. Why, why do, how do they influence? Why, why do we allow them to influence, influence us? I think we all have this innate need to fit in and have a sense of belonging. Yeah. But yeah. I think to be Christian is, yeah. by definition, to be out of this world, to yes. not belong. Yes. Or to belong where? In the arms of Christ. Yeah, that's right. That's really what I think the answer is. It would be easy to come here and say, uh, you're sinful, you're sinful, you know, you need to go to church more, you need to pray more. But I don't think that's the answer. I think the answer is a positive one, not a negative one. It's, as you say, to seek to be more in the presence and the loving arms of God. And then slowly we discover these other things are much less important. Someone dumps us as a friend. We discover that's not actually that important, you know. Uh, someone eats the last cake, you know, and we discover that's not actually that important. It's often these little things that show us what we really like, you know. Um, if we have to have the last cake, 
then that suggests that we're, there's something wrong with us still. If we swear when someone cuts us up on the road, you know, then those little things especially, many of us aren't really given to great big sins, um, but it's the little things that show actually what's going on in our heart. Wanting to have the microphone, you know, during the liturgy and, and do all the singing. Um, that's a temptation for some. Yes? You mentioned many masks, and one of the masks you mentioned could be one of even spirituality. So yes. being close, you know, um, or being very involved in church, or being a hymns geek, or yes. being whatever. Um, is that a... Is that just as dangerous to be wearing that mask, or is that a mask yeah. that you would... I, I think that can be even more dangerous, can't it, you know? Um, if you think that because you go to church a lot, uh, because you know the hymns a lot, perhaps, perhaps because you teach Sunday school, that means that you're a spiritual person, uh, then you're mistaken. A spiritual person is someone who is united with God by the Holy Spirit. A spiritual person is just someone who's filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you bear the fruit of the Spirit, which is... Call them out. What are the fruit of the Spirit? Let's start with the easy one, the beginning ones we all know, you know. What's the first one? It says, love, joy, peace, patience. Yep, well done. So, to be honest, we only have to sit down. We have to sit down and say, am I bearing this fruit? Am I bearing this fruit more than I did last year? And if I'm not more loving, if I'm not more loving, then I'm not bearing the fruit of the Spirit. If I'm not more peaceful, then I'm not bearing the fruit of the Spirit. And all that's asked of us as Christians is that we become filled with the Holy Spirit. And everything we do in our church isn't to please God. It's not to stop an angry God punishing us. Everything we have in the church is intended to help us be filled with the Holy Spirit. We receive the grace of the Holy Spirit in the communion. Uh, we receive the forgiveness of, the Holy, of, of God in the Holy Spirit in the sacrament of confession. And in prayer, every time we turn our heart to prayer, we discover that we're suddenly in the presence of God and the Holy Spirit is renewed within us. I've been teaching in the seminary over the last week and Robert has been one of the students. Uh, he's an A-grade student. Um, and one of the things we were looking at, one of the things that we were looking at is how the Holy Spirit is implanted within us at our baptism like a seed or a tiny spark. And the whole purpose of our life is to nourish that tree so it grows and bears fruit and to fan the flame of that little spark so it bursts into a fire. And increasingly, I think, every moment of our life, we have a choice. Every moment. Is what I'm doing at the moment going to lead me further away from God? And will it dampen down that fire? Or is it going to draw me closer to God and make that fire burst into a greater flame? Uh, and in my own life as a, as a husband and a father, when I'm at home with my wife, every single thing I do, all the practical things, they can either lead me closer to God or they can lead me further away from God. Every time my wife asks me to take a rubbish bin out, my response will lead me closer to God or further away. Every time she asks me to help change the bedding, that will move me further away or closer. We mustn't think of things just as spiritual and just as worldly, you know? The whole of our life is to be a spiritual experience. And the whole of our life is filled with opportunities to grow closer to God. Well, I have a question. Yes, Robert. So, when we're talking about spiritual masks, 
sometimes when we talk about being filled with the Spirit or uh, knowing that I, you know, that I am a spiritual person, sometimes that idea can be abstract. Yes. Is there a way for me to, is there a litmus test for me to know whether yes. I am living out a spiritual mass yes. or an actual spiritual yes. life? So I think, I think that especially love is a key thing, you know? Um, it's very hard for love to be counterfeited, you know? There is a false emotion, you know? But if we actually love the people that are difficult to get on with in the church, then that's a sign that the Holy Spirit is becoming active in us, you know? Uh, if we're able to love our community, even something like keeping this room tidy is a spiritual activity. You've been asked to keep this room tidy, so you have a choice. If you are being filled with the Holy Spirit, you will keep this room tidy, as you've been asked. Uh, and our Christian life is as practical as that, you know? There's no point you all praying the Agbeah together if you then don't care whether someone else has to clean up this room. You'd be better off not praying the Agbeah, you know? That's hypocrisy, it's a mask. Uh, some, someone needs a lift somewhere in the church, or among your friends, or, or a non-Christian even. Uh, someone you're working with is moving house, or a, a, a student you, you know, you know, is moving in their room or something. They need someone to help them move all of their stuff. That's part of our spiritual life. And if it doesn't come naturally to you that that's the sort of thing you should be doing, then that's a sign that you're a religious person, but not yet a spiritual person. And on the flip side, when, something does, so, when someone does something that's a bit painful, the way we respond is a very clear measure of how spiritual we are. Uh, if I go to a church and someone says, uh, Abuna, we don't really need you to vest and serve, you know? If I spend the whole liturgy thinking, do they not realize who I am, you know? I've come all the way from England and they're telling me to stand there, then I'm not very spiritual. If my response is, I don't deserve to serve at the altar anyhow, you know, then that's a sign that perhaps I have some perception. So look at the way we respond to people around us. Look at the way we respond to service, and that gives us a very idea, a very good idea of whether we're spiritual or not. How often we attend liturgy doesn't really tell us very much about how spiritual we are. Because priests do it all the time, you know, we can't get out of going to church. And that doesn't mean that a priest is spiritual just because he does that. Yeah. So how can we differentiate between, say, like living a double life? And I don't know the exact verse, but when St. Paul says, like, to the Jews I became a Jew, to the yeah, Romans yeah. I became a Roman. Yeah. Yeah, good point. I, I, I thought of that verse as I was driving around. I think there's a difference between how we serve other people, you know. Uh, if you're with a group of young people, you're going to speak differently to if you're a group with a group of old people, you know. But is it the same person? Are you being the same person when you're with young people and when you're with old people? Are you being the same person inside yourself when you're with non-Christian friends and when you're at church, you know? And I think it's to do with the principles we have, the attitudes we have, uh, and that overarching goal of our life. If my goal is to be a spiritual person, then wherever I find myself, the main thing I'm trying to do is be me, a spiritual person, in each of those places. If I'm trying to be a cool guy in one place, if I'm trying to be a holy boy in another place, you know, um, if I'm trying to be just a good son who does whatever his parents say in another place, then I'm being three different people. But if always you can be depended on to be the same person, even if you treat people in the appropriate manner, you know, you have to look within yourself and see, am I putting on a front, you know? 
uh, am I willing to say with my friend, sorry, I don't want to do that, you know? Uh, no, I don't want to watch that. Uh, no, I don't want to go down the pub with you. Um, then that means at least you have the same principles, even if you also talk about football and, and your coursework and stuff like that, you know? So it's when we're trying to please other people to get... I think one key is when we do things to get something, then that's a sign that we're wearing a mask. Because when we are actually in a relationship with God, we're not doing, we shouldn't be doing anything except just being ourselves, you know? Uh, we shouldn't be doing things to get anything from God. Just his presence is enough for us, you know? So are you really the same person in these different places? Not do you deal with people in the proper, appropriate manner, but are you the same person? So he never, he never denied Christ when he was with Jews, you know? Uh, he never went sacrificing chickens when he was with Greeks. Um, but he knew how to use the Greek language when he was with Greeks. Uh, he spoke from the Old Testament when he was with Jews, you know. But he was the same person with the same principles, and his overarching desire was always to be a spiritual man filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So after we've gone through the process or the litmus test of self-examination, I figure out the, the masks or yeah. the masks that we carry personalities. Where would be a, a good place to start in? kind of undoing or unraveling this, this schizophrenic life. Yeah. Uh, do you start with the, the, the you know, biggest bang for your buck or with the smallest things and hope it trickles into a domino effect? Or what would be a good place to start with that? As you well, uh, uh, often in our spiritual life, is, it's best to deal with the biggest the issue that's right in front of us, you know? And sometimes I've said to people, you know, when they come to confession with a very long list, you know? Uh, let's not worry about these other sins, you know, they are sins and we'll deal with them, but let's deal with this issue that's crippling you at the moment, you know. Uh, and it's possible to look at, there's two things. On the one hand, our salvation comes through seeking God, you know. And sometimes when we look too much at our problems, we're still actually immersed in self. <laughs> we're, we're immersed in thinking about me all the time, you know. And sometimes the best solution is to seek God in prayer and to seek to serve others in whatever way God gives us, you know? And sometimes that means the rest of the things take care of themselves. If I'm constantly thinking about my need for friendship with other people, then that's still all that's filling my mind when I'm in a room, you know? Uh, and maybe it's occupying me even more because I'm thinking, I want to be friends with this person, but no, I don't want to be friends with this person, you know? because I'm a Christian and I need to be friends with God. If we just concentrate on God and we build with our spiritual fathers uh, the pathway that leads us closer to God, then I think lots of these other things just drift away in time. So when I was in Cairo recording some stuff with CTV, uh, I went to the television studios. It's, it's a complete TV studio. And I was taken to the director's office and I sat there with him. And I think I said hello in Arabic, and he said hello in English, and that was it, you know? And the guy who was going to come and, and be the presenter of the programs, he didn't come for two hours, you know? Now, some years ago, I would have sat there feeling really, really awkward. I'd have been looking at my watch, you know? Um, but now, because I'm a little bit more mature, I pulled out my prayer beads, and I prayed the Jesus prayer for two hours, and I felt entirely at home and at peace. So... It wasn't that I stopped thinking about loneliness in a different way. It was that I was developing my relationship with God, and that took care of things. So 
you need to be honest with your spiritual father and say, Abuna, I've been looking at myself and I think I'm wearing masks, you know. Uh, and we have to say to our Abunas, uh, help me to develop a deeper relationship with God. Because I think that is essentially and ultimately where the healing comes from. It's good to be aware, actually I'm in a room and I'm still feeling, why is no one talking to me? Uh, that's good to be aware, actually that shows that there's, I'm not healed, you know. <coughs> But ultimately, thinking about that all the time won't heal me. You know, it's like knowing that I have, you know, a massive infection on my arm or something. Knowing that doesn't actually help heal me. Uh, it's good that I now know I have an infection on my arm, but actually, what I need to do is spend some time with the doctor. Uh, and if the church is really a hospital, then I need to be engaged in the grace that comes to us through the church life. But always. I think we're seeking to be closer and closer to God. Uh, and I think the Jesus prayer, if you don't pray the Jesus prayer, pray the Jesus prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. Or just Lord Jesus, have mercy on me. Or from our midnight praises, my Lord Jesus, help me. You know, But pray this repeatedly and over and over again, each time making it a prayer so that you are spending more and more of your day actually walking with God. And when you spend your day walking with God, you discover... You're not so lonely, and that doesn't become such a pressure. Uh, you're not so easily given in to temptation because God is with you and you, you're in his presence. Uh, you're not quite so much seeking after wealth and possessions because you actually start having God with you and you discover that he satisfies you. you know? So from my perspective, what I teach is let's try and build a way for you to know God better. Be perceptive about your weaknesses and honest about them, but don't keep being absorbed by them because that isn't the way that you find healing. Thank you very much for your, for your attention and I'm very happy to have had this opportunity to be, to be with you today. I hope I'll be able to come back to California in due course.